0: You're listening to the Empowering Business DFW Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Austin. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Coming up, we are joined by Megan Hodges. She takes us through her career and the stepping stones that led her to the business that she currently runs today. Now let's get to today's episode. Hey, Megan and welcome to the uh, fourth episode of the Empowering Business DFW podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing good and excited to be here with you today.
0: Kind of curious you know I don't know a lot about your industry and, and it looks like you've been uh, you've been involved in several different industries so just kind of give some intro uh, introduction and some context about uh, what you've been doing the last 10 years.
1: Sure absolutely I know it's crazy to kind of look back and realize that I've been working that long. Um, and, and it's always funny to kind of, whether I'm going to LinkedIn or just even looking through resumes um, in my own and realizing, okay, this is everything that I've done. Um, so what's interesting is I I actually was a pre-law major in school and had never set foot inside of the business school at all. Um, and so when I graduated and ended up with a job in corporate America, Um, actually in a sales and marketing training program. um, I think I was almost the furthest furthest away from what I thought I was gonna be doing when I graduated, which just sort of sums up, I think, life in general. Um, But that set me on a course Um, that has carried me from that day up until now. And part of it is definitely by actions and things that I chose to do in my career. And some of it I think was just, you know, providence or fate or something of that nature that led me through my career. But for the most part, I have been um, involved in sales and marketing teams, whether for um, large publicly traded companies um, like that first one I joined out of school, Um, which was Sanford Brands. Um, It's a um, a, a subsidiary of Newell Rubbermaid, and and we manufactured things like Sharpie markers and things of that nature um, to privately held companies and eventually working my way into the startup entrepreneurial world. So I feel like I ran the gamut of seeing what it took to run, you know, a publicly traded company, um, small privately held company um, down to a a startup. And I even kind of circled back around again to um, a publicly traded company uh, recently before I started my, my, own, my own company. Um, and with each of those pieces along the way, um, being a part of sales and marketing teams and eventually learning how operations works, um, I sort of built um, the toolbox, the business toolbox um, needed to 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 run my own business one day. Um, But in a nutshell, I just—I think I've sort of run this gamut of of different businesses um, over the last 10 years and and found out very quickly that um, being in the startup world and being an entrepreneur and creating things from nothing is um, where my passion lies. Um, And so regardless of being at a publicly traded company with thousands of employees or being a part of a small intimate team, Um, you know, being an entrepreneur is where my heart's at.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, just going through kind of your history and your resume is actually pretty impressive when it comes to, really, you don't have a background in sales and marketing, but yet, Mm -hmm. you know, you take companies uh, that you've worked with where you're creating just 90% revenue increases and and you're doubling profits in less than half a year. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that goes a long way just to kind of say your mindset really is and has been maybe entrepreneur focused rather than uh, learning in a different, different atmosphere, I guess I would say.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I think people um, think that they have to focus on is the fact that being a st- being an entrepreneur means that um you truly have to be like the ceo of your own company or running your own company Um, but i think sort of my definition is, is more along the lines of you know an entrepreneur is somebody who and i kind of stated this a second ago is someone who is creating something out of nothing or finding ways to make things more efficient or better. And so I like to say that even if you are um, working within any size organization, um, instead of thinking that you've got to just up and leave and go start your own thing, which is is great, and we can can dive into that um, as well, um, sometimes it's just good to look around at the team that you've been placed on or the environment that you're working in and realize that you know, 99% of the time, there is some way for you to make that job better or more efficient or something that needs to be created to, to, you know, facilitate what you were mentioning a second ago. you know, higher sales or, or better margins, or, you know, if you're, you know, working in, um, you know, in more of an operations role, something that creates more efficiency. And so that in and of itself is you taking a hold of the situation and, being kind of an entrepreneur within that environment, um, because you're creating something from nothing. And I think oftentimes, especially in today's age, when you just hear the buzzwords of startup technology and things like that, your assumption is, you know, you're striving to go do that, which for some people, that's absolutely the goal. Um, But sometimes I think we forget that um, those other roles of creating, um, something out of nothing is just very vital to any business you're in.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I want to kind of dial it back just a little bit on um, a couple of things, because I think sometimes when you when you start something new, right, especially if you're not, you haven't been introduced to it in the past, you kind of have to approach it a different way. So throughout your first part of your career, when you shifted from pre-law now into the the sales industry, how did you approach that? I mean, you talked about it briefly, but more specifically whether you were the co-founder of Rise or you were the uh, the head of sales for for Lumi or even at RealPage, what was your mindset going into those positions um, that kind of is progressing you in, in the way that when you said, all right, I want to just start my own business.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, you know, the, the three, the three jobs that you just mentioned were sort of my mid career to to later career roles. Um, You know, by that point, um, you know, for for Lumi, I was the head of sales and and Lumi was a startup company out in LA. Uh, There were about five employees at that time. It was started off of a Kickstarter campaign. Um, When I came on board for them, there had not been somebody leading sales at all. In fact, that revenue that they had Um, received after that Kickstarter campaign to just run sort of their operations um, was what was fueling them to realize that, um, you know, there was probably some additional sales streams that they didn't know existed. Um, and and I'll talk about that in a little a little a little bit. Um, but so you mentioned that one. You mentioned um, Rise, which is a company that I co-founded in Dallas um, that was a technology company. We built a technology platform that connected um, travelers in the state of Texas, uh, high frequent travelers that were going between the major hubs of Austin, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio. Uh, on a regular basis, and we were connecting those travelers with underutilized private planes so that they could fly for a flat membership fee every month um, and and fly, uh, fly privately versus flying commercially um, so that they were saving time. And, and then the last one you mentioned was RealPage, which was the company that I worked for, uh, right before I started, uh, the company that I'm running now, all three of those, you know, by that point in my career, you know, I, I had had, you know, six or seven years of sales and marketing under, under my belt. And so I had gotten to sit under some great leadership Um, I'd gotten to, uh, you know, read a lot of different books. I'd been able to, you know, sit under a lot of different trainings um, that I got to be a part of to really understand, you know, the sales process and not all of it was, was good. I I definitely got to see the negative and what I sort of viewed as, um, you know, tactics or, um, you know, some, some different sales and, and marketing strategies that I thought, okay, I don't ever want to, you know, replicate that again in the future. And so by that time in my career, when I'm, you know, head of sales for these different companies or or running, you know, sales and marketing strategy, I was able to look back on sort of that first half of my career and, you know, pick the positives and the negatives and really establish for myself what I saw as the um, methods and the strategies that worked um, for a sales organization, um, as well as a marketing organization, and, and really step out onto my, you know, know that I, w- I could step out on my own and, and do it on my own. You know, I, I think you're kind of hinted at a good point that, you know, again, um, y- you can't just launch out and sort of, you can. Um, I would suggest if you're just going to launch it on your own and, and start something without having um, a knowledge base or an experience um, of the field that you want to, to, to launch, you know, I highly recommend that you've obviously got some fabulous mentors and a great team, um, a consulted team of, of advisors. Um, if you're going to launch out and do something without having that experience, because I can say, you know, without that first half of my career and watching other people do it, it teed it up for me to be able to go into some of these businesses and run those sales and marketing team, marketing teams on my own. And so it's sort of that stair step process, you know, you watch and learn for the first half of your career and, and sort of soak it all in um, and take a lot of notes. And then, you know, that next step is, okay, let me stay within, you know, businesses that already exist, but just lead, um, you know, teams that I would, I would like to lead. And, you know, for me taking those two steps then led me to that third step of saying, okay, um, I now feel like I'm in a position to be able to go out and do this on my own. (laughs) Um, and, and so it, it came from, you know, years of, of on the job experience that led me to the point of feeling, um, ready to take that step i will caveat it and say that you know i think that if you asked most startup ceos who are doing it for the first time um it's almost like having children there's never the perfect time you sort of just have to jump in and do it even if you have had experience um because there's always going to be a little bit of an unknown and so you always want to surround yourself with really good people and mentors regardless
0: i think that's interesting because many people out there are like, I want to create this business. I want to create uh, whatever they have deep in their mind that they've had in for a while. But sometimes when they just jump in, it makes things a lot harder rather than, than taking your approach. And and I would say majority approach of, you know, let me learn the business, learn the processes, and then, you know, gain some mentors along the way that eventually when you're ready to make that jump off, you know, off the diving board into the deep Mm -hmm. end, you, you have those mentors that you could always refer back to because that they can help you with just like you have experiences now that you're going to help a new entrepreneur maybe shift their mindset in a way that they really didn't think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, um, I think when I look back at my career and sort of these different jobs that you have, have mentioned, um, there's been a common thread that's linked each one. Um, You know, so I, I, you know, I started off in, in sort of consumer goods packaging, manufacturing company within sales and marketing. And when I took that leap to, to go to Lumi and say, I want to be the head of sales. And, you know, I put together a a sales um, presentation for them. Actually, it's how I, I reached out to them after I saw them on Kickstarter and I just said, Hey, I noticed that the product you're selling, you aren't selling it direct to consumer yet. They were just selling um, their product in more of a B2B type of market. And I let them know that if they were open to uh, changing the way that they packaged and um, if they're able to take that product and and consumerize it, um, that that common thread from that previous job to Lumi was that I had all the buyer connections for that consumer goods packaging and retail world. Um, I also had the sales and marketing experience because I had been doing that previously. And so even though on paper, it may look like I had made this huge jump from, you know, a large publicly traded company to um, this small startup company where I wanted to be the head of sales. You know, previously, I think I was in like a VP or sort of a director role at that point Um, to me, I realized if I could take that common thread, the thing that I knew in my tool belt, it was gonna compel me to jump forward into a head of sales role. But remember, it was a head of sales role for just a team of about five, right? So it wasn't like I was running head of sales for a, a massive organization. So sometimes there's areas in your career where. You take a leap of faith to say, "Hey, I'm ready to be maybe a head of sales and and to help this organization actually, in my case, take a product to market and grow that that revenue." Um, It was on a much smaller scale than you know the hundreds of millions of dollars that I had been negotiating at the previous company in a totally different role on a team. But that common thread let me take that step forward to get my feet wet in a startup environment to even see if I, um, if I liked it or if I enjoyed it. And so by the time I had, you know, finished that first role out of school in sales and marketing and then gone to Lumi, I now had, you know, startup experience under my belt, what it took to fundraise and, um, and raise money. Um, also I could tack in that sales and marketing experience. Um, and so I was just building sort of that Tool belt, you know, to get to the place where I could then step out. But I, I just have noticed throughout my career, there's sort of these common threads that help pushing me forward to get to the place where, you know, last year I was ready, ready to say, okay, I, I'm ready to do this on my own. Because after Lumi, I was ready to co found a company in Dallas. And, and that obviously brought on a whole nother, you know, slew of things that I learned. And so just each of those steps, um, continued to, um, expand my knowledge base. And, and like I said, got me to the place where I felt comfortable to sort of jump out (laughs) and do it on my own.
0: (laughs) Even though you may have not been in the business for, for a while, they may Mm -hmm. have been, so they may have some other experiences. Uh What were your thoughts in August of 2019 when you were at RealPage and you said, "I'm ready to step out"? What were your thoughts then? Were you were you nervous? Were you ready?
1: <laughs> um, so you're actually making me smile because um, I got asked. I've gotten asked that question a lot, right? So, and you framed it up perfectly and, and I'm, I'm kind of laughing because you and I didn't even really talk about this in advance, but it's, um, you know, August 2019 is when I quit my job at Real Page. you're you're correct, and launched 100% um, into the dowry. Um, but when people ask me that question, um, I, I sort of giggle because um, the impetus for the dowry didn't start that August right and and I guess this is just sort of that that great um understanding of sort of the roots that go into taking that first step and and quitting your job and and launching in 100 percent um you know the idea for the dowry actually came to me when I was engaged back in 2007 and I couldn't find the products that i was looking for for my wedding gift registry and i didn't want i didn't want to do the mass produced and the same thing that all my friends were doing and so out of that frustration which is where i think a lot of um you know ideas and and great startup companies come from it's out of an actual you know issue and frustration um i just chalked that idea away because in 2007 um, I was still at the point in my career where I hadn't had all these experiences that we just got done talking about. So I knew, you know, I'm not ready to to start this, but man, it sounds like a good idea. And so I'm I'm such a journaler. I wrote down that idea, and I just thought, okay, if or when I get to a point in my life where I could relook at this idea, you know, I've I've documented it. And so what's interesting is from 2007 up until 2019 there are a handful of moments where I would jot down something that I knew was going to be, um, you know, some sort of part of the business plan or the brand, or, you know, there was always sort of the slow roll of ideas um, that I would journal about. Um, but then fast forward to 2019 um, it was January of 2019 when I was at a place um, both personally and professionally, um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like entrepreneurs are starting to talk about this more. Um, but you know, we've spent sort of this first part of this podcast talking about you know getting me ready for, for from a um, a business perspective to be an entrepreneur. Um, the, you know, the flip side of it, of it is starting a company and starting a business is taxing not just on your professional life, but on your personal life as well. And so one of the things I always say is that, and again, there's no perfect time, but you want to make sure that the people in your life, um, financially in your life, again, you don't have to be 100% sound. I will tell you that, you know, you scrape the bottom of the barrel really fast in all these areas, but startup is such hard work that you really want to make sure that that personal side Um, is is solid and on board for you jumping out and doing something um, this big because it it is hard work and it's taxing and it's long hours. And so you want to make sure that that both sides are, you know, really (laughs) in agreement. And so January of last year is when I felt ready in both areas of my life that I could revisit that idea. And so from January until August, not only was I working full-time at RealPage during, during the day and, and putting in, I was managing a, a team, um, I was putting in long hours, I was still giving it you know, 100%, um, but I was taking my nights and my weekends to build a business plan. Um, to do a bunch of competitive research, to lay out financial models. Um, You know, the the amount of behind the scenes work that went from January to August before I quit the job was was very intensive. And and again, you're not going to be able to uncover everything, but it helped me um, formulate a good business plan. It helped me formulate a mission statement. It helped set guidelines around what my goals were so that when the onslaught of so many different things being thrown at you as a CEO of a startup company happen, you know, once once you launch the company, you can be grounded in the direction and the ideas and the goals that you had from the get-go. I think it's just super important. And so I... I think that I was excited when August 1st, 2019 came around and I was able to leave my job full time. But even with all those months of planning, there's still that feeling of like trepidation, you know, um, right. you know, it's, it's excitement and trepidation at the same time of, okay, here we go. Um, so it, I felt very prepared. Um, but without a doubt, there's still those, you know, just butterflies in your stomach when you actually wake up the next morning without a corporate job and realizing you have just a million things on your to-do list you need to knock out for yourself and for your startup.
0: When you were talking about that, I was thinking, I was like, I couldn't imagine, obviously I've never um, started my own business, right? Um, And I couldn't imagine jumping from, you know, a concrete paycheck you know, and I, I've had career changes in the past where mm-hmm. I'm leaving one opportunity for a better opportunity, and you're growing throughout your career. So mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't imagine taking that step from the unknown completely. Right? You don't know yeah. what the business is going to do. You don't know how it's going to react. And mm-hmm. then you fast forward to this year where COVID hits. Right? So you you don't plan. Oh, you don't mm-hmm. you don't plan for situations like
1: that. <laughs> it wasn't you know, in my business plan. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you didn't plan for a, a, a world pandemic when you were creating this <laughs> right. business work?
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody is now going forward. <laughs> right,
0: right. So I wanna go back to you mentioned the dowry and I kinda of wanna give you an opportunity to kind of expand on, you know, the reason, the origin story for the dowry and what mm-hmm. what are you hoping to get out of out of uh this creation?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question. You know, I um I think another good litmus test for starting your own company is sort of that longevity of the idea. Um, you know, on one hand, it felt like a a blink of an eye, a very quick, you know, Oh, I had this idea back in 2007 and now we are here in 2019 and, and I'm, you know, about to launch this company, you know, but when I really stopped and and thought about it, I'm like, you know, this, sort of hounding idea had been with me for years. And th- that I think was crucial to me saying that this was something I needed to step into and do. Um, you know, my journal is also full of a lot of ideas that you guys are never gonna see or hear about um, because they, they didn't sort of pass that kind of test. Um, that there you know is still something there um but the I, the uh the full sort of mission and what i want to have come from the dowry um is is twofold really and it's it meshes um i think uh, different parts of like who who i am and and kind of consolidates them into one um and I feel like, again, it's sort of a buzzword that's been tossed around a lot, but the whole conscious capitalism piece and the idea that, you know, you're shopping with a purpose or you're giving back in some way or that, you know, business doesn't have to be draining on the environment. And, you know, we've really started to get to this idea that you can make money, but also do good. Um, And that, that buzzword's been around for, for a while. And so the dowry has, that component to it. And I did stress and worry a little bit that people would think, man, you know, is this just another company that's trying to attach itself to to that idea? Um, and so I really sort of sat down with myself and had this dialogue around, okay, what is the mission? What is it that you're trying to do with this organization? And I couldn't disassociate these sort of two mission pieces and so um it, it's it's as genuine as it could possibly be i've always um i've always been an advocate both with my time and resources for women and children um in in a bunch of different areas and i, I i've, I've I want to even say that it's been that way, you know, as a young girl, like in just in different, you know, facets of my life. Um, but, but the older I've gotten and, and, and really honestly being a woman in business, um, I've gotten to see the good, bad, and ugly even of that. Um, and, and just watch different things and, and some of the struggles and I, there's struggles on all sides. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. It, it, it's, you know, we, we all struggle with different things within the business world. And so I've just had this, you know, sort of heart desire to help um, uh, women who are in situations that they um, can't get themselves out of and, and they aren't good. And, and so when I knew that I wanted to launch the dowry, my sister had just, gotten um, married to a first generation um, Indian, they actually met at UT in Austin, and we got to go to India to uh, celebrate her Indian wedding. And while there, I learned more about this idea of the dowry um, and, and what it means. And it's essentially that girls and their families save up a ton of money or possessions to give to the groom and his family in exchange for for this wedding and I've brought up India, but just it's, it does happen there more prevalently, but it still happens in the US and across the world. Um, but these, these women are oftentimes um, really put into horrible situations, abusive situations, life-threatening situations on a daily basis. and so here I was you know still thinking through this idea of a wedding gift registry that connected engaged couples to artists, you know, American made artisan made houseware products so they didn't have to buy mass produced. And then here I was seeing these girls that were getting, you know, quote unquote, sold into marriage against their will for, the, for, the, for their dowries. And, um, and so I just saw this sort of synergy um, and something that could really, um, you know, come to fruition. Um, and I will say on the business side of things, um, during those months from January to August, before I quit my job, you know, one of the things that I had to come up with was what was I going to name this company that I was wanting to launch? And I, again, I did a lot of market research, um, did a lot of surveying and I was just stuck with this idea that it needed to be called the dowry, um, that these things that people register for have sort of become the 21st century idea of the dowry that you are, you know, getting possessions for your new home that you're creating together. Um, and I'll tell you, I got, a, I got a lot of negative feedback on that. There's, there's a negative connotation to the name. Um, and it's one of those things when you're running your own company, I guess you get to put your foot down and say, I'm doing this. Um, but I felt like if one of my missions pieces of the dowry was to bring awareness to these issues that are going on currently. What better way to talk about it than to name my company, The Dowry, because it's right there in your face. I can't skirt around it. Um, I actually can't sweep it under the rug. I have to say that my business mission for The Dowry is to, you know, become a nationwide household Name when you think of a wedding gift registry, and it's a place that you want to go to register for household items or anything of that nature. Um, but then I also have to talk about the mission that is um, bringing awareness to what's still going on in the world. So um, you know, it, it again, it didn't go without a lot of thought and process. But those are sort of the two missions and and goals and visions that I see um, as we sort of roll out. Um, the dowry first in Texas. Right now we're just marketing in Texas, but we will you know, then take it nationwide.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think the ordinance story for that alone is is a story in itself, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is awesome. So this is your first solo business, right? That you kind of created on your own. So do you remember the first sale? What was your reaction uh, when, it, when that very yeah. first first yeah. order came in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of laugh and twofold. You know, I I actually did start a company um, very early on in my career. It lasted uh, for about a year. And that's we'll save that for another time. But um, because it definitely was structured differently. But I very quickly realized I needed still some more experience in my life before doing this again. But yes, this is, this is definitely my first uh, true jump into starting my own company. And um, not only do I remember the first sale, um, but I, so it truly is a two sided marketplace in that I have to create a sales process to go get these artisans on board But I also have to create a marketing plan to go get consumers to register and consumers uh, uh, purchase off of the site. So I've got two different teams that are um, working on two different um, customers. Uh, if you will. And so both sides of that were so sweet when I got that first sale. Um, on the artist side, and I'm going to say this one first, because I got that one first. Um, what was so sweet about it was that here I was working out of my house, The the website was not even up yet. I, I, to be quite honest, I'm trying to think if I even had wireframes, like I may have had an outline of like the 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 landing page. Um, And so I was pitching artists on a concept that didn't even exist yet, but I was saying, Hey guys, I promise you want to be a part of this. I promise the brand is going to be good. I promise that you're going to want to sell your artist work, um, you know, on, on this website. Um, and so it was just, that was a really sweet moment because I was pitching something that didn't exist yet. Um, and so I, I will absolutely, you know, n- never forget that. Um, I don't know that i am like name names, but the artist is still on the site today. Um, and you know, it was a, um, it was one of those moments where you hang up the phone and kind of pump your fist in the air. You're like, yeah, you know, I've got the first artist on board. So that was super exciting. And and I took away from that call. Okay, this is how I can approach going after, you know, other artists, hopefully, and sell them on the idea. But what it did was, you know, I was able to use her as saying, hey, I have other artists on board. And it made it made it a lot easier. Um, And then um so i launched the website in november of last year just to friends and family um just to make sure that the the site worked right that i could actually get a sale um because technically the website is just an e-commerce platform i've added on that registry layer on top of it so people can just purchase off of it and so you know from november to december of last year i was you know, really just making sure that the operational processes of everything were running smoothly. And um and so of course I had sales there from friends and family and I, I don't want to undermine that at all because by all amounts they were my guinea pigs and I will ever you know forever be indebted to um you know everybody who you know purchased and gave me feedback and you know were my champions there at the beginning. Um but there's nothing like getting your first registry or your first sale from somebody you don't know. Um, and, and that validation that the idea actually works, um, especially if you're going to go out and raise money, if you're not going to just fund it on your own and you're actually going to fundraise, um, you need that validation. You have to be able to say I've proof of concept of this and all areas of the business, um, are you know are, are working and people are um, seeing the value in this and so January of this year is when we launched to consumers and we did our first bridal fair in January in Dallas and I remember setting up the booth and you know getting everything ready and thinking, oh my god, I hope that these you know brides you know have same frustrations that I do and that they're they're wanting to do this Um, and I'll just never forget leaving that bridal fair that day and having you know all these registry signups and and people wanting to purchase off of the site and just yeah you just you just don't forget those moments I mean they're um, they're what get me through the days when I don't have any sales, when I am struggling, when all I can think of are just, you know, the things that went wrong that day, because, you know, if I told you guys every day was great, I'd be lying, you know, starting a company is such hard work. And so you have to think back on those moments in order to kind of keep you pushing
0: forward. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think think anytime you have extra motivation, when things aren't going the way that you would hope that they're going. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great thing to look back on. You mentioned this earlier throughout your career, you've been in several different industries, consumer goods, retail, manufacturing, and even some aviation space. And you talked about every business has some tough situations or some hard times that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a, a struggle or two that you went through and kind of what you learned from it? it was there a, like a reward or something you, you learned from that struggle that has now transferred over to the dowry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think an area that I've sort of touched on, but haven't, you know, really Dived into is, you know, um, for all of the startups, you know, I think as a leader of, you know, both within Lumi and within Rise, um, you know, I I think what's on your mind the most is is just is you know watching <laughs> those financials and thinking through raising money and you know without I mean people say cash is king right and it and it really is um the, the balancing of your roi on what you're spending every month to what is coming in the door is probably what keeps you up the most and is what impacts the way you spend your day every day um you know i I think that, um, I don't, you know, I feel like it is talked about in some realms, but I think getting into the nitty gritty of realizing that, um, you know, there will be days or months where the projections that you put into place, you know, don't come to fruition or you are expecting, you know, X amount of money to come in the door and then it doesn't um, those, uh, it just doesn't get any more serious than that. Um, because th- that's sort of, or no, it is the lifeblood of your organization, right? If you hit a moment where that doesn't work, you can't sustain yourself to go forward. Um, and so I f- feel like one of the things I didn't, um, there wasn't sort of somebody that I was conversing about on a regular basis was sort of about this topic. I felt like it was something that I was with my other co-founders, but there's not this, you know, template that says, okay, you know, if this happens with revenue or if your expenses increase like this, or if your marketing spend gets out of control or, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, pull these levers and it's going to magically, Perfect itself, right. and so because there's not it's not black and white like that, um, you know. There's that constant internal dialogue of you know, am I pulling the right levers? Is is this making the impact that it should? And so with both those organizations, um, you know, there were some days and some months, you know, where th- that is is super difficult and and super hard to adjust. You know, you've, you've already brought up, you know, COVID this year, and, and, and that is not something that I expected to, to take place. Um, but because I had experienced some of those hardships around some of the financial aspects earlier in a, a startup company, um, I feel like I was nimble enough to um, assess the situation to start to, to pull different lovers. Um, and, and realizing that if you sit on your hands or, and, and again, this is not just with COVID, this is just, you know, startup in general and realizing that, like I said, you know, you may not make numbers one month or, you know, X, Y, and Z sort of issues there financially. Um, obviously COVID's made a big impact on that for so many companies. Um, but sitting on your hands, um, or waiting too long to make a decision or, or not, not making a decision at all um, is just sort of lethal for the organization. I think one of the things that you know, I've learned is that you, know, you have to make a decision and you sort of have to be decisive with it. And so you know, I had modeled out for the organization, this is how we were going to run the dowry. Um, but when news of COVID hit, Um, you know, within 48 hours, I had remodeled two different scenarios for the organization based on, you know, you know, this type of revenue and this type of marketing and, you know, sort of this good, better, best um, situation. And, you know, I very quickly had to make some very hard decisions already when it came to people, you know, hours being worked, when it came to what we were going to do with marketing, you know, the bridal shows that I talked about that we were doing in Q1 of this year, I mean, those stopped, right? We couldn't be face-to-face with people in a ballroom somewhere. Um, And so, you know, again, whether it's COVID or something else, those types of financial issues um, really cause you to know whether you have got the sort of guts to make the decisions and the calls that you need to make and make them in the right t- time frame, um, time is of the essence and and so it's um, it 's making those kind of quick t- game decisions that I think stress me out the most I think would stress out you know most entrepreneurs uh, and um, and also kind of show whether you've got the tenacity to, to push through some of those really tough, um, you know, financial situations. So,
0: yeah, I think COVID really threw. I mean, if you look at every single business that really never had, and because you are more of a B2C, right, mm-hmm. and, and you created a, an e-commerce type platform, you see a lot of businesses out there that had to make that shift early, mm-hmm. a year or two years before they weren't ready for it. So being able to adjust kind of in turn, I wouldn't say exposes the weak, but, mm-hmm. but it, it more exposes the, the stronger entrepreneurs that are out there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, making hard decisions are always, always, always tough. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that.
0: So what is it you you tell yourself every day? What is your mindset? What are some habits that kind of help you every day to become more successful?
1: Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I am a big believer, um, in routine with flexibility. Um, so I do sort of have the same routine in the morning. You know, I, I am getting up at the same time every day. Uh, I, I think that's, Sounds so cliche, but I think that's paramount when um, you are running your own organization. You know, I, I do have a team, all of them except for one are remote. We are still, you know, working from home. Um, and so, and again, I'm sort of getting into the nitty gritty here for you guys, but you know, that gives you sort of this out of unaccountability, right? And so I think having a, a routine that helps um, put some of that into motion is really vital um, and putting those levels of, of accountability in there. Um, I have a small little advisory team that, um, you know, I make sure that I'm accountable to them on certain things. Um, same thing with, with, my, um, with, with my small remote team, you know, that there are things that they're, you know, accountable to me for. Um, and so I think that that is, um, you know, really, really important. Um, what do I tell myself every day? Um, you know, I, I feel like I said this kind of earlier on, on this podcast, but you know, if there's a moment of where, you know, it's tough during the day, I do think back to, you know, those small wins and successes to kind of keep pushing me forward. Um, I'm a big list maker. Um, so I I definitely set a list for what needs to be accomplished that day. Um, that way I know that I'm crossing off certain things that um, are big and have to be accomplished. I think that email is sort of the death of, <laughs> of getting really big things accomplished during the day. So I do adhere to the mindset that there are times during the day that I check my email. Um, but then my email is closed down so that I can actually focus on those larger tasks at hand that I have to do. Um, and the next day, when I wake up to start, you know, my day, um, I, I don't just go back to that list from the day before that I didn't get crossed off. Um, I sort of reassess, I, I look at those things that I didn't do, but but it's a brand new day. And so I need to make sure that those are still the same priorities that I need to get accomplished for that week. I and mean, it's amazing what changes in 24 hours in a startup. And so, um, and so I, I start sort of fresh with a new list. And some of those things that didn't get accomplished may get added to that list, uh, but it might not be everything. Um, so I think having a, a, a morning routine. You know, for me, it's coffee and I make sure I have breakfast and I walk my dogs. Um, and, and then you kind of that list piece are, are really the things that get me through each day and make sure that I'm actually accomplishing things that are, are really big and hard tasks to accomplish.
0: No, that's good. So what's next for Megan? What's next for the dowry?
1: Um, Oh man, (laughs) man! Now you're making me go look at my list. (laughs) Um, You know, so I, um, so I think this is another big thing that is is really important for CEOs. Um, And I actually, I I say this a lot, even or I've said this a lot, even not being a CEO. But when I've interviewed um, in different jobs throughout my career, um, that. I really think that I I really work hard to make sure that I am getting through the tasks that are at hand while also looking to the future. Um, sometimes I think you can get kind of pulled, you know, t- too far one way. Right. Um, and so it's like, you, you gotta accomplish like, you know, what's right here in front of you for the dowry while also thinking very future. So I'll kind of sort of like leave it with this is that, um, like I said earlier, you know, we're actually just marketing in Texas at the moment. um, But that doesn't mean that people across the country can't register um, on the dowry from anywhere. In fact, we've got brides all over the place at the moment. But our marketing plan, we're just really working on perfecting the way that we go about our marketing here in Texas. So, you know, future for us is you know, being able to blow it out of the water, you know, nationwide. Um, at the moment, we just accept American um, artists. Um, I can see that expanding into artists, um, you know, from different places around the world. Um, I can also see, and you know, these are things that like we've started to, to map out, you know, what does the dowry look like if it expands um, outside of just the wedding gift giving industry? Um, but really starts to focus on different big life events, whether it's, you know, having children and having registries for that, or, you know, you can start to imagine more this sort of lifelong type of registry. So those are things that we dream about at the dowry and that we put down as sort of bigger uh, uh, events uh, that we'd like to see happen. Um, But we just get excited when we accomplish some of the little things like, you know, today we got the press page up on our website this morning and, you know, I'm doing a podcast right now. And so we definitely celebrate the little wins, um, but we've got some big goals for us too.
0: Now, I think just hearing your history, hearing your career path, uh, I have no doubt that that you're going to achieve all of those those goals and dreams that you have in place. So um, thank you. Of course.
1: Nice to hear it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as we wrap up, is there any last words or Anything specific that you want the audience to take away from, from the message today?
1: Oh man, you know, there's so many things. I think we're inundated with so much, um, you know, information and points on different things. Um, I think, I think the motto that I really um, sort of go after every day is, um, you know, sticking to sort of, you know, the, I, there's a a truth that sort of, I like, I live by and, and, you know, so it's staying true to myself, um, and, and those that I've sort of put around me as my core and, and learning how to not waver from that, um, you know, both in my business and my personal life. I think, um, I think part of that comes with age a little bit. Um, and it sounds so simple and basic, um, but it's easy to get Swayed and off course in in so many areas of your life, and so I just think that piece of wisdom and in a little nugget is one of those things that um, sort of keeps me fired up that um, I strive for every day, um, and I definitely have like I've mentioned before, sort of accountability with it, but. Um, You know, in my, in my personal life, there's just these code of ethics that I feel like I have said, this is what I live by. And so I'm not going to waver from this. And in my business life, it's, you know, like I've said, I set this, you know, business plan, because you get bombarded every day. And so, you know, just really saying that, nope, this is the plan that we've put forth. um, it, It keeps me, it keeps me on track. And so yeah, just really being able to stay true to those core principles that you've decided make up who you are, um, is just, I think, invaluable.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Any, any shout outs, anyone specific you'd like to thank or, or, you know, kind of introduce to the podcast as a way to, uh, as a thank you.
1: Yeah. I mean, Oh my gosh, that list just always seems to be super long. So, um, I am, I'm actually, uh, Engaged at the moment again. Yes. I'm, I'm on to my under my second, but I, I could not be doing this without um, Without without my fiance without my parents without my sister. I mean it's again those things sound so Cliche, but those people who have been with you through the thick and the thin I mean, man You can't um, that, that gets me through my days so the shout outs to those people are huge Um But I think that the second, you know, sort of business kind of shout outs, they really go to, um, the other founders that have been in and out of my life. Um, and I'm, I, I mean, even the founders of, you know, the, those publicly traded companies to, um, you know, the CEO of at the, at the time, um, and you know, the head of sales there to even the privately held company where I got to watch an entrepreneur who was stepping down as CEO of this privately held company, um, who had taken it to hundreds of employees all the way to, you know, Nick, who was my co-founder at Rise and, um, you know, Jesse, who was the CEO at Lumi, those leaders, um, I, that's who I learned everything from. I mean, that is who um, I was able to piece those different pieces together to uh, to get to where I am. And um, I just, yeah, I, I would not be not be where I am without those people. So I appreciate you letting me sh- shout out to them.
0: Of course, I think you know. Overall, you look at some important parts of of your career, and I think the foundation is is kind of where it all starts, right? So, yeah. Giving you the opportunity, of course, is awesome. So, yeah, um, where can people find you if they want to reach out or even um, get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, great question. So, um, I'll give you my my, my personal work email. Um, so, it's Megan, but it's spelled like Megan M E G A N at NeganHodges.org is my personal email, um, but also, um, you know, on social media and LinkedIn, um, it's Negan D. Hodges on, on all of those um, social um, platforms. People can reach out to me uh, there. Um, yeah, so feel free to, to, to reach out. I'm happy to always answer questions on anything.
0: Perfect. And as we wrap up, I just want to, Thank you for coming on with us and wish you the best of luck in in your future with the dowry. And uh, if we can ever do anything for you, just let us know.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. It was great.
0: Hey guys, that is it for this week's episode of the Empowering Business DFW podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you hear the newest episodes as they release every week. If you are a business owner or entrepreneur in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and you would like to share your story, send me an email to empoweringbusinessdfw at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening, stay well, and God bless.